welcome to the All 22 NFL podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday. I have had, I think, two hours sleep in the last two days, 48 hours. So <laughs> I am hop, hopped up, hopped up, hopped up on a dangerous amount of caffeine as we do this. I have ingested so much caffeine today, but I'm doing that to bring the energy because our favorite guest is back. It's Danny Kelly <laughs> from TheRinger.com. Danny, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on again. Always fun, always fun. As I, I always say, when we do these things, I like t- talking about football with smart people, about smart stuff. So that's what we will do today. And I will secede the floor to you mostly. I think we've done two or three of these. And in those times, I've either been dangerously underslept, whatever that means, <laughs> with caffeine. One time, I think I was hopped up on pills one time. So probably not getting <laughs> the best impression it. of my professionalism, which <laughs> uh, isn't great. But I, I'm going to bring uh, the energy. I'm bringing the energy. Um, yeah, I'm not worried about the professionalism, that's frankly. Thank you. That, that helps a lot. Um, <laughs> Danny, uh, as I said, writes for the ringer.com. Congrats to you guys. You had your facelift today. Yeah. New new website. New look. It looks good. And you wrote for Patriots Week today. Yeah. Patriots Week, which everyone was really looking forward to. I wonder whose uh, idea that was. <laughs> Well, I, I actually doubt, I mean, I don't know how the, the full-on editing process goes. I'm pretty sure it wasn't actually Bill Simmons' uh, idea. I think, um, I mean, frankly, the, the Patriots are the kings of the NFL right now. They're in, we're in the middle of their dynasty. Um, it would be almost, uh, you know, it would be like we were neglectful if we didn't actually talk about, like, what is the greatest team in the NFL right now? It's it's clearly the Patriots, and so... Um, you know, not to be like a company man or whatever, but it, it would be neglectful of us, I think, if we didn't like dedicate a pretty substantial bit of our preview to the Patriots because they're the Super, Super Bowl champions and they actually probably got better this offseason. So that's great. It might be their best iteration for five years, five, six years. It's. Uh... I wrote almost that exactly today, um, you know, for an article that's going to publish tomorrow, which is Tuesday, uh, today's Tuesday, tomorrow's Wednesday. I wrote an article about essentially, you know, the hype of them going undefeated this year and kind of broke down what, you know, if that's possible and all that. And I, I said the same thing. I think this might be the most talented Patriots team we've seen yet. And so, you know, it, it, as long as injuries don't totally ruin their chances and as long as Brady's arm doesn't fall off in the next year, I think. I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons to believe that they could, you know, if not run the table, like be better than they were last year. Oh, for sure. And they 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 have their fair share of stinkers unexpectedly every now and then. So I do think 60 you know, it's just so impossible to do. The only one team. Right. There's just it. so many variables. Yeah. But yeah. The, you know, when they played, they I mean, they should have lost. There was it Arizona week one last year. Was that the year before? Uh, last year, they didn't have Brady for the first yes. four games. Yes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> How can yeah. I forget that? This is remarkable. Oh yeah, they they won those, so uh, they probably will go six. You know, now I think about it. Um, well, they were fourteen and one without with him last year, um, including the playoffs and the Super Bowl. The, the one loss was to the Seahawks in Seattle, which is a really you know they're hard out in Seattle. Um, and so yeah, I mean the Super Bowl was amazing. I, I don't know. Like at this point, honestly, I'm just like, what is it that the Patriots have to do for people to actually start like believing, you know, believing in them? Because it's like. <laughs> Man, they just freaking – there was a lot of times last year where I was just like, well, their defense isn't as good as, like, people think because, you know, they're, you know their offense is obviously doing a lot to kind of, like, put them in, in positive situations. And, you know, if they looked at their DVOA, their efficiency wasn't quite as good as everyone was saying. But bottom line, they, they gave up the fewest points in the NFL in addition to having a great offense. So 
and they have they always have a great social teams group. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. The Patriots just look ridiculously good again. Is is the basic point, and that's the reason we did the Patriots week and um, tried to tried to make it interesting for the standard fan because you know obviously I think the Patriots are a little bit of like the heel or the the. I don't know what the villain of the NFL at this point for for most fan bases, but but man, they have there's some definitely some fascinating like aspects to them. I would guess that ring editorial meeting, by the way, was something along the lines of someone else pitching it and Bill pretending to push back. Because oh, we can't do that. People <laughs> people say I pushed it or whatever, and then giving up after like sixty seconds of yeah, sure, let's do that. Um, Just a charade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, they are just, they look overwhelming. And what's fascinating, you mentioned the defense there last season. I must have written five columns last year about how much they adapted and changed and how they weren't actually yeah. that good. And it was a problem and a concern, all of which became futile because Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia are smarter than, than I am by by the millionth power. Um, well, we started looking for, I did the same thing. We, we started looking pretty smart by, you know, the third quarter of the Super Bowl. That's true. I, I felt very wise. Um, and what, what's interesting with them is we just kind of, well, I say we, I, I put us in a different category of, of what we're doing to what the mass consumption, mass media, um, sports center type rolling stuff is, that we just go uh, Belichick. Belichick did it. Belichick does all that. They changed an awful lot last season from just philosophies he's run for two decades. Something as simple as single high safety to them, we're playing two deep safety because I don't trust the other cornerback, is a gigantic schematic shift for a team to make in like a three-week span. And we barely really talk about that stuff with them. We just go Brady Belichick. They don't <laughs> right. get overanalyzed like other people because we just go Belichick. Yeah, I mean, and it's like there's something almost mystical about it, really. Um, with, you know, essentially we're talking about pairing up probably the greatest coach of all time with probably the best quarterback of all time. And are we ever going to see that kind of combination again? And then you have to, and then you have to think like, do they prop each other up a little bit? Like, so like if, you know, if they hadn't been together, would that have been the case? Um, but yeah, I mean, like obviously, there's a lot more that goes into it than just those two. And I mean, if you look at like they've had so much continuity over the years too. Like both of their coordinators are going into their sixth straight season with the team. Um, and like you said, I mean, they, they've been very, very flexible. Like over the years, they, you know, from one game to the next, they'll have a completely different game plan and they'll run the ball. 45 times in one game and then throw it 70 times the next game or whatever, you know, it's like they, they are so good at just like, you know, changing on the fly to do what's best based on, you know, like do the most sound strategy or whatever, and they can execute it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, the Patriots is like, I'm kind of getting sick of talking about them, but it, you just have to. <laughs> it's true. And the, the, the adaptability mid season, is what strikes me. And you mentioned that the game plan week to week. I still can't believe that they radically shifted the back end strategy, which I mentioned before. And then just the personal up front, they were like, we need to get quicker. And it's like week four, let's go get Kyle Van Noy. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they just kick people out of the building. They just got, they let Chandler Jones go to let other guys go. We, and then they realize we need more speed and let's just go get these guys who Detroit don't care about someone that used to work for us. Let's fleece them. <laughs> it's remarkable that they do this. Um, we have to move on because I talk about them too much here and people, as you mentioned, will get, we'll get sick of them. Um, let's talk about Jay Cutler, something I never get yes. sick of because it's, he's one of the best <laughs> characters in the league. And yeah. to have him back is is really fun. Tannehill tears his ACL. My favorite tweet of the season so far, which I will catalog throughout the year. Schefter, I think, roughly 27 minutes after Tannehill went down. 
said that Tannehill's knee had been a ticking time bomb, which would have been nice to know like 48 hours earlier. Um, <laughs> so Tannehill's down, presumably done for the year. It's looking lightweight, if not the pub right. list, until week nine or so. And Jay Cutler's in. Are you excited? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, not only because Tannehill is kind of like one of the most... I don't know what I don't know how to explain him. Like the most league average quarterback you can think up. Like, you know, he's good enough to you kind of have excitement about what he can do. He's athletic and all that, but like at the end of the day, um, he's not the kind of guy that like you really think is going to lead a team to a Super Bowl or whatever. You know, obviously that's kind of a vague description, but um, you know, he's kind of just like this milk toast quarterback, and I think that Jay Cutler is. And I saw this um, tweet. I think it was Greg Rosenthal said it. It was like, if anything, he's just more compelling or he's just more interesting. And um, there was a great tweet from, I think, Adam Beasley in in Miami today. It was like he stepped in there and he was just like adept in the pocket, moving around, making throws. Like this guy literally explained like a a couple days ago he hadn't worked out this summer. Like, I mean, he just comes off. Literally, he's just coming up off his couch. (laughs) Well, he's being clothless in Maui or something, I believe, is where he was. And I, <laughs> yeah, think, exactly. I think Kristen talked them into doing this because she wanted to live in Miami, which I don't blame her. <laughs> so that's he's like, yeah, sure, I'll go play football for $10 million. Let's do it. It's um, it's fun. It's exciting. And the, the thing that gets cited with him constantly is the 2015 season with Adam Gase, which I went back through. Yeah. And I was actually flabbergasted by how good it was because I thought it was one of those kind of folklorish things of, oh, he was great with Gaysers and, oh, he was like 16th best in the league, which is above 20th the year before one of those type deals. But if you go to the advanced metrics, he was 10th in DVOA and DYAR counting efficiency. Um, Just the regular base numbers were in the top 10 across the league. Like he was really, Mm -hmm. really good. Um, And it's exciting. They are going to run Peyton Manning's offense, which I miss, which is at least in part being run in Detroit. So that's fun with (laughs) Mike Shanahan's run game and a lot of emphasis on the run because that's what Gase does. Let's run Peyton's pass concepts with a lot of running. And that's that's really fun to watch. And I think that I don't know if he's necessarily an upgrade. I know people have made that argument. It's tough for me to think a guy can just walk in and be an upgrade like that. But as you said, more compelling. And I think the talent is there where, to me, it's just no drop-off. And that's, I don't know how you can right. do that when you're starting towards like Tez's ACL three weeks before the season. There's And it's interesting, too, because it's kind of like, I mean, there's obvious differences, but there's actually some major similarities in terms of the style of, of playmakers that he has um, as it was in that, in that, um, that, for that Bear season in 2015. I mean, if you look at it, it's like Devontae Parker is is at least somewhere in the neighborhood and stylistically as Alshon Jeffrey um, in terms of like, you know, because we've talked about or, or we've heard being talked about Jay Cutler's kind of one of those see it throw at quarterbacks. He's he's not going to anticipate a lot. He's throwing to a big guy when he looks like he's, you know, coming open. And so and, and from everything we know about Parker, he's kind of like he's a big body. He can go up and get, you know, jump ball type situations he he's that kind of guy so there's some stylistic uh similarities there um and then obviously julius thomas some sort of similarities to martellus bennett and the fact that he's kind of you know very athletic move type tight end bennett is probably a better blocker in line and, and so that's different but um you know i don't know how much they used him in that role in that in that 2015 season i haven't studied it lately but i think that there's some similarities there um Jarvis Landry you know kind of somewhat like the Eddie Royal style like slot guy like over the middle blah 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 so like there's some similarities and then obviously 
Um, you know, with with the foundation of JJI as the the running game, is that that takes some pressure off. So, I, it's funny because like, I mean, I don't know if Cutler. I I said the same thing in in an article that I have coming out tomorrow. I was like, I don't know if Cutler's better. Um, or an article Thursday, I should say, it's, it's kind of like talking about the preseason. I don't know if Cutler's any better that than Tannehill or worse. Um, there's certainly the potential for things to fall apart just because, like, he's been on the couch all summer and hasn't, like, had any chance to sort of, you know, ke- like, build chemistry with his teammates and everything like that. But um, I think he's probably a better deep passer. Um, he's probably... Well, he's certainly more experienced. And then obviously there's the the big X factor with Cutler is like the meltdown factor, you know. And so if he can and, – and Gase, I think, made a lot of his uh, – I guess his he built his reputation on the ability to try and like kind of like mitigate that out of Cutler's game. So um, I, I that's the one. I find those things funny because they call the gazillion tunnel screens. It's like it's really tough to throw a pick. Like you, you have to work to throw them. <laughs> So uh, he did right. his best. And Tannehill last year was third last in aggressive percentage. I have no idea what that is, but it's a new next-gen stat, which I am going to espouse as though I know exactly. Is it, it's probably that. something to do with like air yards or something? I would guess so. And yeah. I have no idea. But um, I, I would guess it's in that range of yards per attempt, air yards, all that type of jazz. Um, right. And he was third to last because they run a million screens and quick throws and as i said it's the payton stuff it's the double under it's let's just throw and get on with the game and let's go 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 um <laughs> so it's it i think cutler can slide into that pretty easily and as you mentioned the weapons are pretty supreme it, it because they're such young guys we haven't had a full season of park who was the post player as you mentioned ajayi was a monster when when healthy and will be when he is healthy this season the big issue is the offensive line the guy is brittle i mean the reason he was out of the game was more because the body broke down um mm-hmm. the jets were interested he didn't want to go get smacked up there because his body was hurting it wasn't <laughs> worth it um and this offensive line is downright bad i mean they have talent i kind of like james i think he's better than given credit for tunstall i think can be exceptional but he's starting at left tackle for the first time pouncey's never healthy and then they have the worst guard yeah. combination in the league which they've admitted they admitted pre-draft they're like yeah we're not very good there so <laughs> and teams don't usually do that um yeah so it's it's the the health thing is really the only thing that matters to me. The the actual difference between the two players, Tannehill's in this weird thing where you know you've got to pay him twenty million a year for some reason. I guess it's because he's athletic and he can throw a ball. So that's the cost of having him. But he's not really a twenty million dollar player, nor is he a guy who you like bang the door down to go get. I would put him way yeah. below someone like Matt Stafford, who I probably hire and Stafford the most people, but I don't really think that's a close competition. But you've got to pay mm-hmm. the guy twenty million. So sliding Cutler in, it's I, and knowing the offense and all that intangible stuff. The one thing I did want to get to is the concept of him not loving the game, which drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I get it's funny because, yeah, he, his body language is horrific. He doesn't look like he wants to be there. Um, worst of all time. <laughs> probably the worst of all time. Um, him, Jeff George, right? Those are the guys who probably didn't want to yeah. play. But the guy is in the meet. The quarterbacks arrive at like 7 o'clock and everyone else gets there at midday. I think we would have found out by now if he wasn't regularly attending meetings at all these different teams, and then he wouldn't be in the league yeah. regardless. So it's he's probably just tired. He's probably just had no sleep because he's there so early. He's, he's he's the worst in the league at hiding how tired <laughs> yeah. he is. Yeah, I think that's um, right. and he has no time for. I don't think just. I mean, the, the grind of being one of these false, false, fake, smiley franchise quarterbacks has to be exhausting. Yeah, like I was talking about this with my friend earlier about Aaron Rodgers, who went to the set of South Park, bought. Um, 
what's the uh, Team America puppets. He bought Team America puppets. So clearly he <laughs> loves vulgar humor. He loves that type of boyish crap, which I also find funny. So that's yeah. in there. And we've seen some sides of personality, usually away from cameras when he doesn't think he's being filmed and stuff. Yet when yeah. he gets in front of the TVs and everything, it's just, you know, franchise quarterbacks. It's got to just be exhausting. And Cutler to me looks like he's like, I have no time for this <laughs> for this franchise quarterback it's crap. It's like he's not here for it. Yeah, it's, what's the point? <laughs> Let's just go throw footballs, which I think that's just his personality, which I like. And uh, I like him. I like him. And it's, you know, he it's kind of funny because, I mean, he's one of the most, I think, sort of, uh, I don't know what the word is, like some you either hate him or you love him, essentially. And I know that, like, he wore out his welcome in, in Chicago, but like he's their all time leading passer, <laughs> which I, I mean, that says a lot about Chicago, I guess. But um, I think it's, but, a, yeah, it's I mean, an effort and face thing of um, he's, it's every, he's not cool. That's a problem, though. This the, he's become more cool in retirement because the smoking thing has become a fun joke, um, and he's got, kind of got like the the cowboy coming back for one last ride feel now, which is always makes you cooler. <laughs> yeah. which, I love, which I love. It's gonna That's be a, a fast situation. He's going to light it up like Faf did in Minnesota, and they'll give him like a three year deal or something because that's what Miami it's does. So f- it's so funny that you brought up Favre because I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I was like. You know, dude, he literally like hasn't been working out this season, and and my buddy was like, I don't know, like if this is real or whatever, but but he was like, yeah, I heard that's what Favre did too. Like he just like wouldn't work out during the off season. I'm like, that's so Favre. That's like perfect Favre. Just come back into camp and like, you know, oh, we'll wing it. Favre and him are such similar players on the field, and yet fans love Favre because they think he just cares so much, and they think he right. doesn't care. It's a bizarre, bizarre narrative. Uh, well, and the other thing is Favre was a crazy Iron Man. Yeah. Um, and like you said, like Cutler's been injury prone and everything, and so there's a, there that's another. I think you know they both have that kind of like um, every man quality or whatever that people are drawn to. Um, but yeah, Favre was like, I mean, insanely Iron Man, and and Cutler's been struggled to stay on the field, and then obviously people question his toughness and all that. So we, it's uh, fascinating. We can't really mention the signing without touching on Colin Kaepernick. I cannot go through this issue time and time again because it, it flat out exhausts me. I think it's shameful that he's not on an NFL roster. Um, agreed. Agreed. Um, I, this is the question no one asked. Now I get this situation. It's 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 kind of ironic. Uh, the word funny probably doesn't apply, but I'm gonna have to use it because of my uh, sleep deprived mind. Um, <laughs> that this is the one situation where he probably. I mean, the Cutler gives them kind of an out because of the Gase connection. He probably should have been signed here on pure talent when a starter goes down. But then there's the Cuba situation. It's the one situation where a group of fans are mad at him for something different than the the main narrative around him. Um, mm-hmm. what, no, what I've heard no one explains why wouldn't they just sign both like Colin Kaepernick is not costing you money right now it's vet minimum I guess because they have Matt Moore already but why um, not get three really good players <laughs> are you know. comfortable with Cutler and Matt Moore it's like hey we're, we're going to the playoffs right now it's like if you can get Colin Kaepernick yeah. for free essentially I mean I, dude you could say this about basically every team yeah, right I, now. I believe I think he's the greatest value in sports right now because it's a guy who should be being paid 40 million dollars a year in all likelihood that's less than Brock Osweiler who you can get for less right. than a million dollars which just right. doesn't happen in sports right now why don't the Browns sign him I have no idea you know, why aren't any of these teams uh, signing yeah. him their fear is know. that the president of the United States will tweet them the moment they sign Shh. him that's why they're not doing it yeah no I mean I, at this point um, I don't 
doubt that there's something like you know it's essentially them just being afraid to rock the boat or whatever um and the the the, yeah. the concept and i said i wouldn't go into it but sometimes i can't help myself because it really irks me is the the idea of oh he's gonna really harm ticket sales and sponsors and all that stuff he has the third highest selling jersey in the league he's not even on the team <laughs> anymore so there's, yeah. there's as much pro support as there isn't good sport which you know i guess um being in that situation isn't great for business but he if you signed him right now if you were the ravens for instance they signed him it would become like a banner for people to get behind. Random fans would buy his jersey, which the which they wouldn't buy a Ravens jersey otherwise. So. Yeah. Well, the whole thing is ironic. I mean, just because, you know, literally Cutler's talking about how his wife had to talk him into playing. He hasn't worked out all summer. And at the same time, people are like, oh, is Colin Kaepernick committed to playing? Blah, blah, blah. Like, or how can you expect him to actually play the whole season? It's like, give me a fucking break. Like, Cutler... <laughs> He literally, like, has told us he doesn't really care. <laughs> it's just utter cowardice. And you have these guys like Ray Lewis who espouse these great uh, these great faiths and these beliefs and helping people. The guys out there in soup kitchens donating his money without press attention, by the way. Uh, yeah. It's not like he's doing it for show. And somehow that's a terrible, terrible thing. And we should stop that. It's just the... I hate all the, I hate all the narratives about this. Oh, it's, it's the yeah. worst. It's just and it's Terrible. just filled with with prejudice, uh, as my opinion is probably also biased. But I'm somewhat removed because I'm not actually an American national who would be upset about kneeling for an <laughs> right. Actor, so I get a little right. bit of a pass there. It's it's just uh, I can't believe it's not being celebrated. It's actually a, a startling to me. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about as we move on from the Dolphins is just the the injuries and losses so far in preseason. I have a list of guys been a lot. who are currently out and. Big time ones as well that will have major ramifications um, yeah. around yeah. the league. So I'm just going to list a couple. I want to know which one you believe right now is the most significant loss. So this list okay. goes as Dominique Easley, Malcolm Smith, Jalen Collins. That's 10 games for more PDs. Uh, right. Kenneth Dixon, Nick Saragusa, John Urschel, Randy Gregory, Taylor Decker. That's going to be about 9, 10 weeks. Derek Newton, Forrest Lamp, Nick Fairley, and Teron Armstead, which is about 7 to 8 weeks. Ooh. I think the two that stood out are Taylor Decker and, and Teron Armstead. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly both, they're both left tackles, right? Like Taylor Decker was, um, you know, slated to be a left tackle. And, um, you know, that's, that's a, it's still a very important position. I think there's, um, you know, talk about how it's not as quite as important as it used to be thought of, but I think it's still like, you know, if you look at the salaries and everything, it's still clearly a very important position. Um, and so to me, those two are huge. You know, you got to protect, you got to protect those quarterbacks. Um, I think the the Lions' offense is gonna, it's gonna hurt them. And and I, obviously the Saints drafted Ramchek, and so, um, that's a nice little parachute and everything. But he's a rookie and all that. So I don't know. I think those two are very very high impact. Um, I feel bad for the Chargers. They keep getting oh God. They so many injuries. I didn't even put Mike Williams on here, whose yeah. prognosis ranges from could be ready for Week One to is done for career. It's just right. It's all over. Right. There's some bizarre back injury. It's they've had just the yeah. Worst it was look. like a what was it? Um, one of his discs or something like that. I'm not sure, but yeah. So to me, those two the the, the left tackles are big. Um. I think, you know, Dominic Easley, he's a good player, but the Rams, 
I don't think are going to contend anyway. That one irritates me because I was excited to watch him. He had a really fun last seven weeks of the season when he was trying to get paid down the stretch, <laughs> uh, which I don't begrudge him. Yeah. It's what happened, and he was totally. Um, and I thought him and Donald, I mean, that is re- that is probably oh. the fastest two players inside because that's what he usually does. He gets off the ball quickly. That's why it was a first-round pick. And then you bring in Wade Phillips. I just thought he hasn't Man, had, that would have been fun. He hasn't had two internal penetrators like that, like guys inside uh, instead of the outside guys, for some time. So that would have been fun to see what he could devise. That annoys me. Yeah, yeah. And then that's his third ACL turn. If all you have is quickness, oh, which yeah. is all he has, then that could be it for um, for the career. I wanted to ask you quickly about Malcolm Smith. I, I right. cannot believe that we live in an age with all the analytics and the scouting and so on that guys still get pumped off based on big playoff games or Super Bowls, but I don't comprehend the salary that he was given in the first place when <laughs> Oakland, who is desperate for linebacking, <clears throat> would just like let him out, walk out the door. They weren't bothered. Um, um, yeah. And now he's done for the season. Dude, you mean you go back to the Seahawks days and the, the Super Bowl MVP. Is it possible he's still being thought of as a great player for that, that game? Yeah. <laughs> How is that possible in the NFL? I, think, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> Um, I think that there's a part of it is, is like the idea that experience in a system matters. Um, and you know, obviously there was familiarity with, uh, the four, three scheme that they're going to be running in San Francisco with, uh, and I'm blanking on their freaking, uh, Robert Sala, um, you know, so like there's familiarity there and like, you know, they can plug him in and, and know kind of what they got. But I mean, even his Super Bowl MVP year, which is funny to say, um, he was he was benched like midway through the season, and because he was like taking terrible um, angles at the ball, like just looked lost sometimes, you know, missing tackles. He was benched, and um, it, I think there was just like injuries and stuff that like that was the reason he got back in kind of later in the season. But essentially, like he wasn't very. <laughs> No. He wasn't very good that year. And then he That's why they let I, him walk in the first place. Yeah. He wasn't very yeah. good. And he had a he had obviously had an enormous game in the Super Bowl and that was great. And um but I don't think and I, I'm kinda trying to remember, but I feel like I remember seeing um Raiders fans like kind of happy that he was gone too. And they, like you said, they don't even have anybody to, yeah, he <laughs> to was, replace he him. Was so. Apocalyptic. They signed uh, Perry Riley like three weeks into the season because Ben Heaney and him were just—I mean, it was a bloodbath every single week with the exact same two concepts run again and again, and they just couldn't stop it. They signed Perry Riley. He was really good, but he's like thirty odd with a bunch of injuries and was a street free agent at the time. And they were like, "Let's just keep this guy around for at the end. The guy we gave big money to. Let's kick him out the door because he's really bad." And then San Francisco yeah. signed him, and I get the familiarity with the system, but I'd rather just have fresh legs and sign three undrafted free yeah. agents and hope you hit on one. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It was a, a bit puzzling, and that's, like, one of the reasons I think a lot of people, you know, said that was one of the worst contracts of the offseason. The 49ers were throwing around a lot of money. Um, to obscure and- positions as, as well, by the way. <clears throat> fullbacks and <laughs> off-ball linebackers and whatnot. Um but yeah, he he's out right for the season. They yeah, put him don't. on a oh. Tom Peck, I believe. Um, so I mean, at least that means. I mean, I, I'm guessing this was going to happen anyway. But at least that means now we get to see more Ruben Foster. It's exciting. As long as his extracurricular activities <laughs> are kept in check, then that's very, right. very exciting. Um, are you still upset that Cam Chancellor didn't get that Super Bowl MVP award? Because I think about <laughs> it regularly. Yeah, I was actually thinking about it. Um, 
you know, recently because they, they just re-signed him to a longer-term deal. And kind of trying to decide in my mind, because we've known in, in Seattle in terms of, like, there's three guys that are kind of up for new deals, and that's Cam Chancellor, Jimmy Graham, and then center Justin Britt. And we had some conversations like, you know, who of that three, those three guys, do you think should, is the most important, should get signed? And I kind of waffled between all three of them, honestly. Um, but now that Cam has, now that that's happened, it kind of makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm like, okay, that, I think that's the right move because as long as he can stay healthy, and you could say that, you could put that preface around basically anybody. Um, as long as he can stay healthy, he's he's a very, very important player for that defense. Like, he has the ability to take over a game. And I think we saw that in that Super Bowl. Like, I mean, him hitting Welker on that cross – or not Welker, um, Dem- Demarius Thomas on that crossing route, like, that set the tone for the whole game. I, uh, I remember I that it so vividly. Long, I watched it not long ago, and I was live tweeting at the time because I, I remember – I was going to write a piece about who are the quickest defenses of all time. I was thinking all about team speed. Everyone's trying to get faster – it's all speed, yeah. speed, speed. It's all anyone's talking about is how do we get more speed in the field while staying strong inside. So I was like, I, that is the quickest team I can remember just in my mind. And am I misremembering it? Because these guys who now we know are future Hall of Famers potentially, you know, they are older and a bit nicked up and using as much yeah. smarts now as they were just pure energy back then. So I went back to watch that game because I really remember the first drive where they were outside of the, uh, the botch snap, the next one. Um, yeah, still upsets me. Peyton Manning audibling in the first play of Super Bowl. Good God, um, <laughs> these things annoy me. Um, and I was, and I was, my mouth was agape. Uh, it was yeah. even quicker than I remembered. All, just the entire team had so much speed and presence, and yet he set the entire tone. He was the game plan. It was embodied in Cam Chance of run really hard, hit people really hard, and they will wilt. Mm-hmm. And it happened mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah, it was. I remember that game was like the perfect. And I've talked about that in in an article I wrote after the game, and it was one of my favorite runs to write. It was like that game kind of just like encapsulated everything that that Pete Carroll like talks about um, in terms of enthusiasm, effort, you know, hitting hard, dislodging the ball. Like turnovers were huge in that game. He had an interception a little bit later too, um, you know, and so. I don't know, like Cam, in terms of just like being a glue guy or whatever they call it um, for the team, like the guy that represents exactly what they're trying to do, that I think that's the big reason why they kept him. And, and, and even though, you know, he's been banged up the last couple of years, his, his health is kind of a big question mark. But, I mean, he's just like represents what Pete Carroll wants to do on defense, honestly, like hit hard, you know, intimidate the hell out of other teams and like make them feel you, you know, because like – and, and I said this before, like, if I think a lot of times, like, analysts like you and I, like, when we write, it's, like, a lot about sort of stats and, and schemes and things like that. But, like, we kind of kind of forget about the human element of football. Like, these are human beings. Imagine being a receiver asked to go over the middle against the Seahawks. <laughs> well, well, like, honestly, these guys are eyes. probably going to. It's like you. These are great, great athletes, highest level NFL players. I would, I, I would think that a lot of them are probably pretty intimidated. I think that Seahawks defense has flout scared people the night before games, and they've had sleepless nights because, like, oh my god, it's it's Wagner, and then it's Chancellor, and then oh god, yeah, it might hit too. me. Yeah, and then I mean, if you're a quarterback, all you think about is where the hell is Earl Thomas? Where's he gonna pop up? He knows where I'm going, Seriously. and I don't. 
It's uh yeah. And then if I do make a mistake, Sherman will be barking at me as though he made the play. <laughs> it's it just doesn't seem like a lot of fun. So, um, so then, easy to hate that defense, yeah. And then Frank Clark may eat me. Like that that's in play. There's a Tyson like <laughs> situation that could happen with Frank yeah. Clark at any moment. Let's uh do Seahawks stuff actually. I had two quick notes on that to get your thoughts. Um we mentioned Frank Clark there, just I mean Wild sounds like it's almost a compliment, but I mean it in the Tyson-esque <laughs> way. Uh, I right. don't know what the guy's deal is. It's just unhinged. And then Malik right. McDowell has a car accident, right? And no one knows what, what's ATV, up with him. apparently. Okay. And no one knows what's what's up with him. He's just wearing a walking boot or something like that? Or knee brace? No. So no one really knows. That's the thing. It's been like a week at least since it's been announced. And... There hasn't been, I don't think, an official description from the team yet. Basically, we're getting like bits and pieces of it. Um, but essentially, it's a head injury is the main thing or the one thing we've actually heard any consistent, you know, sort of reporting about. Um, and I've heard from anything ranging from like a literal like, um, you know, he fractured his skull to concussion and facial lacerations, which... You know, if we're talking like he's going to miss the whole season, like he basically really ripped up his face. Um, basically what happened, what we, what is sort of people think has happened is like he, he got into an ATV accident and hit his head really bad. And they're basically just trying to make sure he's like, okay to be like, you know, walking around, not, not even like talking about like playing football yet. Mm-hmm. He's not even with the team anymore. He, he came for like a day or two, but he's back in Michigan. And so I, I essentially like the thought is he's, not going to play this year and there's some fear that it's career ending um you know the team has not said that and he even said on his instagram or twitter or whatever that he's not it's not a career ending injury but i mean that's scary like you know if it was a, a fracture of the skull or something really bad in that sense like you know it's like literally michael bennett was talking about how they're just worried about his quality of life at this point Jeez. so it's it's very scary um it's also very very weird because we haven't heard any like official like explanation and part of, of what me, happened part of me would like to hear that even if not official that they do the leak to to adam they just call up Schefter and like hey man this okay. what's going on and i would well think... Schefter's still Schefter's still in trouble for the whole hippo yeah, that's what i was about to say is i would like to think well they're kind of scrupulous they're doing a nice thing they're saying hey he's a young guy he's a rookie like you know he's not a huge name outside of seattle so well, let's just yeah. let him have his privacy but Schefter really has no qualms <laughs> about doing that so right. uh yeah is that is that lawsuit that's still ongoing, right? I don't know. Probably. I think so. I think they would have to ESPN <laughs> sure. rather than Schefter for releasing it. Um, so Frank Clark, we didn't mention that. He got into a fight at practice, got kicked out by um, by Pete Carroll. This, to me, is the the under the radar because not enough people naturally know him because he should have been a first-round pick, did not go in the first round because of all the off-the-field stuff. Um, it, he is the the scariest player in the league. Like, just from a humanistic <laughs> point of view. Like, if you're walking down the street, the dark alley type scenario, who do you not want to see? Frank Clark right now is the number one guy. <laughs> I mean, he's, like, he's honestly one of the most underrated pass rushers in the NFL right now. Oh, yeah. He's he was... Exceptional, yeah. And, like you said, he's kind of, like, got that unhinged um, persona going on, like, like, like the Mike Tyson style, where, like, he's intense, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think... People are probably going to hear more about him this year. He, he's obviously kind of like a, a hot button topic for a lot of Seahawks fans because you know he had the history of that that um, domestic uh, dispute, whatever arrest that it was, um, and then he also went after uh, Natalie Weiner on Twitter, and and so it's just like 
you know, basically a lot of fans don't like him in Seattle, honestly. And, and um, you know, it's kind of, it's going to be one of those weird situations because he's probably going to put double, double digit sacks this year and people are going to be like kind of in there. You know, it's going to be kind of one of those weird feelings. Like, do yeah, we root for this or what? Greg Hardy ish type deals of this guy isn't a good guy. We can all agree the guy's crazy. Like, let's all just admit it. But he's also yeah. relentless. He's also highly he's athletic. Yeah. Very versatile. He can rush from inside and out. I mean, I, he had one of the most impressive preseasons of any player I've ever seen. Like, his first year. And I bring that up because, like, he he didn't really play a ton last year. It was kind of, or his first year. Wait, now I'm now I'm mixing up the the timeline. Is he a second year guy now? Yeah. Yes. Um. So he he didn't really play a lot to, to like as much as we thought he would. Um. They kind of like brought him along slowly, so he didn't put up as much production as I thought. You know, he still did pretty well. Um. But he he was freaking dominant in the preseason. Like it was like holy shit, this guy is gonna be like JJ Watt like style. Like he's blowing up every play he's in. Um. So obviously it didn't play out like that, but I mean, this is like, I think he's a very, very, like very, very good pass rusher. And he's like kind of on that, like if he can keep it all together and, and, you know, whatever, stay on the field. Um, I think he could, you know, be a double digit second. I'm just looking up. I think he had, did he have, oh, he had 10 sacks last year. No, this is his third year. He had like, so I was, I was 30. Yeah. I I was mixing up the timeline. This is going to be his third year. Um, so he didn't play very much his first year. They ramped it up last year. He got 10 sacks. And now um, I think, you know, like the sky is the limit, honestly. Yeah. And, and he's going to be lined up next to, to Averill and Bennett, who are also two very good pass rushers. So uh, defensive, or I should say offensive lines are going to be kind of, they get their hands full. Another loss that, that irks me is the McDowell one because as I read <sighs> after the draft, it was going to be the most fearsome menacing front four in the league i mean you don't get a yeah. sub package than bennett uh averill clark and mcdowell and then this just the speed of it is and those guys are so powerful as well that's how they make their name but clark is essentially what you get out of bennett base end inside uh sub russia with more springiness yep. <laughs> he just gets off the ball quicker um and more power mm-hmm. i mean like bennett is like it's hard to explain what bennett is i think he's kind of just like He's explosive yet slippery, I would say. Like, um, knows how to use his hands really well. Like, Frank Clark is like just a ball of muscle, and he just like overpowers guys. Um, very explosive, you know, first step and everything. So, yeah, I mean, the CX, I think the CX, you know, it's hard to be um, on the CX defense because they have so many, or it's hard to be famous on the CX defense if you're not like one of their top guys because they have so many personalities. Mm-hmm. But, I think he's probably going to be like a household name by this, you know, by the by the season. For sure, he he also gets sports at the time because all the other stuff, so they'll boost the profile. They'll start talking about that. Should we be applauding him? All that jazz. Um, has Dion Jordan arrived at like two hundred and seventy-five pounds of pure muscle, <laughs> and everyone's looking the other way, like we don't know what, why he's that big. <laughs> he is on the NFI list. He um, still suspended. No, he it's like an injury or something. Oh, okay. I think I can't remember what it was. He had to have surgery again on his knee, I believe. And so he hasn't come off of that list yet. Uh, is that the I'm thinking is that the we don't want him to get drug tested yet list? So let's get him a knee scope uh-huh. and then we can rule him out for six weeks to get out of system. That one? Maybe, maybe. Um that's, I don't that's I don't Belichick's, have high hopes. I don't have high hopes for that. That's I think Belichick's I mean, I, next scandal is using the pup list to allow things <laughs> to flaw a guy's system. Do they not get tested when they're on that? I don't know. 
I would guess not be... because they're taking opioids anyway to um to help with this stuff. I would think. <laughs> I guess. Could be wrong, but that would that would be my next scandal if I was Bill. Um, the Seahawks are a funny roster, actually. Just as kind of a random tangent, but like, um, forever they've been a team that is like really, really, really good, but like basically no first round picks or no organic first round picks essentially. And so, I mean, right now they have Jermaine Fetty was a first round pick. Earl Thomas was a first round pick. I'm trying to remember if there are any other organic first round picks on this team right now. I can't think of of one who would be on there. So essentially they have, they have guys who should have been, but, um, right. Questionable stuff. But, um, yeah, guys, they've actually taken. How long ago was Thomas now? Nine? Oh, nine? What's that? How long ago was Earl Thomas now? Is that oh, nine? He was in 2010. Okay. Um, so him and yeah, there's only, there's only two organic first-round picks on the roster. But then you have guys like Deion Jordan. They got who they just picked up. Marcus Smith. Oh, Marcus um, Smith, yeah. They just picked oh, up. Even there's Chip a bunch Kelly's of random... embarrassed by that. <laughs> so a bunch of kind of like scrap peep first round pick it's like former first round pick guys um i mean obviously oh wait no jimmy graham wasn't a first round pick so yeah it's like they got um wait was eddie lacy he was at first the second, second round i think or second in the second round yeah he was at 61st pick so yeah i mean it, it's an interesting roster because they this is just something we've talked about for years like they they're really really good but not because of any other first round picks and Other people, than and people, Earl Thomas, clearly. People but, point yeah. to how excellent scouting and so on and so forth when you could have just selected those guys in the higher rounds if you believed <laughs> they were going to be this, <laughs> this excellent. They got lucky. Yeah, they got lucky. You would have just Plus, taken draft them. and develop. Draft and develop. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I, I love a lot of their, their back-end players that a lot of people don't care for because I, I, I think they just they get guys, they fit them in the role, those guys do those roles, and that's an underrated yeah. thing. It's the similar thing we're talking about with the Patriots where they can just slide guys in because they've spent two weeks just doing that in practice exactly yeah they give them a job they can do absolutely uh you still petrified about that offensive line or are you feeling any better now that yeah. the camps are no i mean i don't i still feel pretty uneasy about it i mean the word is that jokel is healthy which is nice um because he's their big addition <laughs> this year uh which is not saying a lot um oh that's another first round pick that's another oh, that's speaking of former flame out first round picks um, yeah, so Jokel, it sounds like Jokel is slotted into the left guard spot. Um, and so that could be an upgrade, hopefully, if he, if he doesn't get hurt again. Um, I have pretty much no faith in Fetty at this point. I, I'm hoping for the best, but, you know, it just doesn't seem like he's shown a lot. Um, I do like the idea of Ethan po- Posich. Um, you know, I think he's kind of a versatile guy. He's played a lot of, uh, pro style blocking schemes and so um it's kind of funny he, he feels like a more experienced player than a lot of the guys <laughs> on the Seahawks line even though he's a rookie um so I'm kind of looking forward to hoping hoping he'll get a starter's job either at right guard or right tackle um and then he could play back up at the center position too um I, I don't have high hopes I think they're gonna probably have their hands full again and Russell Wilson's gonna be running all over the place but I guess that's kind of their, their just their mo, and and they're gonna run with it. They pay their defense a lot, and they pay their skill position guys a lot, and then their defense is just, or sorry, their offensive line is just like bargain bin guys. They do indeed. They're the only offensive line last year under a million dollars per play. Is 
their uh, Jamarcus Webb was their highest paid uh, offensive lineman, and he was released, I think, partly through the year, or at least he didn't play hardly at all. <laughs> I can't even remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they just don't spend money on the offensive line. They spend playing picks, and it doesn't really seem to work out. So you have to kind of question their ability to scout offensive linemen. Um, but yeah, so they just don't they just don't pay the guys. It's it's odd when you're sat in the Seahawks like coaches room, and two of your choices for your starting tackles and probably high up on that thing are a guy the Jags were happy getting rid of. That, that's one thing, <laughs> and the other guy hadn't played football in what was like five years before he arrived two years last year. Right. George Fan he hadn't played right yeah. tackle ever. He hadn't played any tackle, and he was a left tackle. <laughs> yeah, excellent, excellent. Just just oh, an interesting. God. They just want to make it exciting for us, which is exactly what yes. they, uh, they do. Um. Last couple of things I wanted to hit on. Comeback Player of the Year Award, you wrote a piece about this, which I thoroughly enjoyed because it made me think about this has to be the most loaded Comeback Player of the Year class uh, no, nominees. It's a bunch of stars. It's yeah. Hall of Famers. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Uh, what? Lynch, you could put Eifert on there, Keekly, Keaton Allen, Justin Houston. Three of them will go to the Hall of Fame. Um, I know Justin Houston would have the name recognition to get there at some point. Um, I have a couple more big years. Yeah. Um, what it also made me think of, though, before I get to just the comeback play of the year stuff, is the most under-discussed storyline in the league right now, I believe, is that Philip Rivers is commuting every day to work. I think it's like <laughs> two is hours. He? Yeah, I think it's like oh, two and a half man. hours. He got a driver, so he works on the way. He does his film study on the way. Is that not just... Uh, how could you not read into that that the guy is so out after this year? Like, he's like, one last <laughs> ride. Who commits yeah. to doing that commute from... I don't live on the West Coast, get but from what I hear, it's a disaster to commute from San Diego apartment? to LA. Yeah. He said he wants to be with Can't, his kids. He doesn't want to uproot the kids. I guess, I mean, that makes sense, like, from a family point of view. Um, but, yeah, it does sound like he's got one foot out the door uh, in terms of his career, which is another reason it's, like, it's so sad that they're having all these injuries. Because <laughs> uh, I was really excited about the idea of him having, um, you know, pretty good interior protection with his new, new uh, his two new rookies, right? Because they were going to yeah. have uh, Lamp and um now i'm blanking feeney we're gonna potentially be starters and so now uh did what did lamp what what did how did he get hurt did he have a acl, ACL or something yeah i think he blew an acl that's just a bummer yeah so um so now he's got another terrible offensive line it, the sk- i mean yeah. they should have had just a ludicrous raft of skill guys um and those guys just can't stay healthy for him and he was downright bad last year uh yeah he wasn't the most good part and he gets away with it because he's philip rivers and he screams and shouts and everyone says it's everyone else's fault um <laughs> his he has just some of the most apocalyptic interceptions you can imagine that were purely on him he was a bad player and now he didn't have much help but he was bad and you were hoping with these things you could get one of those uh farvish type final years where he's in the mvp type discussion because it's a lot of talent around him now that's gone the, the piece i read in the tribune said that it's an hour and 10 minute commute on Google Earth or something like that, on the Google things. Uh, but in real time, it's like three hours, two and a half hours, three hours. Then they had Philip talking about how excited he is about how pimped out this car is with the, the driver and his all his gear. I'm like, <laughs> that's just him trying to convince himself this will work. There is no way you can make that commute. every. He's got to be in the building for like eight o'clock. How is that plausible? Like earlier, maybe. Yeah, probably. I guess that's, maybe that's good, though. They'll be on the road real early in the morning. Um, I, I mean, it's just that's an untenable yeah. situation. There is no way he is remaining after. That's really year. funny. 
I'm really, I was, yeah, because I was, I'm really excited to see what the Chargers do uh, with Anthony Lynn taking over. Like, are they going to bring over some of that, like, the Bills style run game where they're doing a lot of crazy stuff like, you know, unbalanced lines, power and pulling. And obviously they're probably not going to run anything with, with uh, rivers clearly, you know, that they did with uh, Tyrod Taylor, but um, I'll be interested to see if they do any of the sort of like the smash mouth, cool stuff that they were doing last year with the bills. And obviously that run game was freaking good last year. It was exceptional. They were running. Uh, I've spoken about this before. They ran Navy system from the gun. Essentially, they just picked it really? up and they dropped That's it down. Awesome. And it was, as you said, all the unbalanced stuff. They would do these double unbalanced things, which I've never seen an NFL team run. Double you, unbalanced. Where you wow. where you flip the um, <laughs> you move the left tackle over. You flip the right tackle to the left side. You move the guard across as well. It's just it was bonkers. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, they did. That's... You should. That is, if you were allowed on Game Pass to go through their run plays, you just have to jump to <laughs> um, formation by formation. It was wild. Full house stuff where you have the two backs and the fullback in the pistol. Love that stuff. Bonkers. Yeah. And you know who's out there, by the way, who could help in the limited package is Colin Kaepernick. Might be able to do some of that stuff for you. So if they want, yeah, there you go. If they want to think <laughs> about it, um, maybe. Well, they got Cardell Jones. Can he do anything? Uh, no, he's, he? he's he's a disaster. Um, he's terrible. Colin um, Clemens. Can't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fortunately not. Um, I really hope they do some of that creative stuff because that was the most yeah. fun schematic thing that happened in the league last year that wasn't discussed because it was happening in uh, in Buffalo. And he did all kinds of funky stuff. I think we have we may have discussed this before, maybe in somewhere else, where he put the strength of the formation into the boundary, which is mm-hmm. almost absurd. If you speak to like these air raid coaches and so on who talk about stretching the field, they'd be like, why would you make the field a third? <laughs> like, Give yourself less room to work with? And right. I still cannot tell because no one's asked the question because most people don't care of did he do that because he didn't trust Tara Taylor to read the field and they tried to shrink the field for him and then he gets a Hall of Fame like Rivers and the guy can do everything he wants or is that <laughs> a by design thing where he thinks the ball gets there quicker, whatever it is. Um, that'd be fascinating to see and I yeah, hope they do some creative stuff. And even if it's not that stuff, even wackier stuff hopefully where he draws up all kinds of fun stuff with a great quarterback. Yeah, I can't wait to I can't wait to watch that. I can't wait to I, I I'm just really fascinated by that offense in general. Like like you said, Rivers last year was bad. Like all of his numbers are bad. I think he was like one of the his his yards per attempt was really really low. Like way way lower than normal. And he was like you said. He, I mean, he kind of always throws crazy interceptions. I think, but it was much worse than normal. He was just, he was just really off. And I, I, I liked the guy a lot. I think he's better than like what he was last year. So I was expecting kind of big things. And then now McWilliams is hurt. Now, um, lamp is hurt. You know, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. Hopefully Keenan Allen can stay healthy. Hopefully they, they pop whatever horse tranquilize they do into Antonio Gates this time of year. So we keep running. <laughs> God, he's still playing. That's running, crazy. Running the same four yards that he's done for two decades. And somehow Hunter catch. Henry is pretty good too. Hunter Henry is an animal. That guy's massive. He's a huge yeah. human being. Um, it's unfair that they, if they have that skill position talent was healthy, they it would be remarkable. Plus uh, they have a good defense. Yeah. They have one of the best pass rushing duos in the league. It's uh, they, it's yeah. exciting and really fun. Cornerbacks for Rhett is as good in coverage as anyone. He's just not as tall as everyone, so that stinks. <laughs> and then Casey yeah. Hayward's really good. So they got right. a lot right. of talent. Um, uh, the, the rookie head coach thing kind of, I, I don't love for a team built like this, but um, we right. shall see. I think they'll be fun at least. They, they traditionally are. Um, 
back quickly to that comeback player of the year award which which guy do you think has you've got to be excited for lynch what should be yeah. a monster as always so should keekly so it's a it's probably the most fun award I think that I think that Lynch has a good shot at it simply because he retired and he's coming back. Like to me, that like storyline people are gonna like a lot, and um, so and and it helps that he's playing behind a really really good offensive line. I mean, they weren't a good, they weren't a very good run blocking offensive line last year, but that's a very very talented offensive line. And so I think with Lynch behind them, they could, he could make them look a lot better. Um, they didn't break hardly any tackles last year. I think that was a big reason they wanted Lynch. Um, you know, Latavius Murray is a big guy, but he's he, he's not elusive. And Lynch is, I mean, he is the most elusive running back of his generation, right? Like even more so than, than, than Adrian Peterson. I'm not going to say that he's better than Adrian Peterson, but like Beast Mode, he got that, you know, he got that nickname for a reason. Like he's he's super elusive. So I think he could be... I think he could put up good numbers if he can stay healthy. A lot of people are worried that he can't. I'm pretty bullish on him. I, I think he's going to have a big year. Um, but that being said, I think Watt is kind of the clear favorite. Like if he could be back to anything that he was, anything close to what he was before he got hurt last year, I think, I mean, the dude is just unblockable. So I, I, I could I could just see him doing it pretty easily. He also will have people carrying water for him, like you would not believe, which they they will not do for for Lynch as much. <laughs> so he, is, he has a fairly yeah, big online a... presence as well. Um, would Jay Cutler be eligible for this? Oh, that's a good if question. If he had like twenty eight touchdowns to fifteen interceptions, would he even sniff it? Because yeah, absolutely, it's a, a storyline award. Really, it's not a uh, like what is the best player? Keekly is pretty damn special. Um, and Lynch is a Hall of Famer. So if they all just return to their normal levels, it would be Lynch or if Cutler did something for storyline. Cutler absolutely, Cutler absolutely has a shot at it. He only played five games last year. I was just looking it up. So, I mean, that's that's well within the uh, the comeback player of the year category. Can you gamble on comeback player of the year? You can gamble on anything. I'm sure you can. Well, that's excellent. You could talk to my boss. He's, he's very into gambling. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm not allowed to or whatever it is for the PFWA. <laughs> You're not supposed to be able to do that stuff. You can vote oh, on, damn. but I can just give it to you know my my alter ego, Schmoliver. There you go. Bonnelly. There you go. You know a guy. I know a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. Um, all right. I was going to touch on Bill O'Brien to Sean Watson, but not, now I can't be bothered because my tiredness has really bumped in. Um, and I wrote like five billion <laughs> words on it. That's everything I could ever articulate, and I would just be regurgitating the same stuff. So people go read that. Um, yeah. And I thought what Josh Rosen said was interesting. So people should go read that. This is me now just jumping through topics <laughs> without saying stuff myself and telling you to go read other people's work. Uh, don't read the headlines about the Josh Rosen pieces. People will take it the wrong way. Go read his work at, or what he said at Bleach Report. It was fascinating and I agree with him wholeheartedly. Um, that is it for this edition of Sweet. the 22 NFL podcast. Lots of fun. Danny, as always, is great. Uh, tell people where they can find your stuff. So if they, they want to go from it to read the things we, we cited earlier, they can go find it. You can go to the ringer.com and that is the ringer.com. Um, and my Twitter handle is Danny B Kelly. You can find me on Twitter and I basically, uh, pimp out my articles quite a bit on that. So yeah, it's good. Me too. I, I love the self retweet. I've become a big fan of that. <laughs> I do that quite a bit. I'm the, I've become the guy that will, will actually retweet compliments. I hate to say it, but well, have you really? I want, I want people to read my stuff. Well, I'm not. I'm not retweeting just pure compliments, but I'll retweet people being like, "Hey, this was really good." Yeah, you do the you quote know. tweet with the thank you. It's like, oh, so other people can see the the 
No, I don't do that. Giving. I don't do that. I'll retweet. I'll, I'll retweet when people say this is a great article with a link to it. Oh, that's I'm not retweeting. I'm not retweeting pure compliments with no no link. That's okay. that's too much for me. That's that's blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. We'll speak to you next time. If there's a next time, I, I don't know if there's going to be a next time. Quite frankly, but I hope there is. <laughs> uh, I hope so too. And if so, then I will speak to speak to you all next time. Thanks for listening.